BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. There's a notable difference between the two freeways that run through Oakland's east side. 580, which runs through the wealthier hills, has no semi-trucks. 880 rumbles through the flatlands of the city, and it is mobbed with truck traffic. In fact, 580 is the only freeway in California that trucks are banned from traveling on. Given the added pollution the trucks bring, can 580's ban on semis, which routes all trucks through poorer neighborhoods, still be justified? And then, KQED's April Domboski delivers a story about an expensive but possibly life-changing drug for postpartum depression and the roadblocks some women have faced trying to get it. That's all next on Forum, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. By law, trucks weighing more than four and a half tons are barred from driving through a portion of Interstate 580 in Oakland and San Leandro near the hills. This 10-mile ban means most commercial trucks use Interstate 880, which runs through the historically working-class Black and Latinx neighborhoods of the Flatlands. Research from the Environmental Defense Fund found that concentrations of black carbon along 880 were approximately 80% higher than average concentrations along 580. This morning, we'll be talking about how this ban came to be and whether it can still be justified given the environmental harms. Joining me now is KQED's Laura Clivens, who reported trucks are banned on Oakland's I-580. These sixth graders wondered why for KQED's Bay Curious. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. We're also joined by Angela Scott, an East Oakland community organizer for Communities for a Better Environment. Thanks for coming on, Angela. Thank you for having me. And we also have Nate Miley, District 4 Supervisor with Alameda County. Thanks for coming on, Supervisor Miley. Thank you. Laura, I want to start with you. I want to set the scene a little bit here. Uh, for people who aren't in the East Bay, um, tell me a little bit about 580 and 880 and the neighborhoods they run through. Sure. So if we think about Oakland, we have, um, it's sort of sandwiched between hills on the east side, and then we have the bay on the west. And 880 runs along the base of those hills. It's actually a pretty beautiful 580. Drive. 580 runs along the base. Oh, yes. Excuse me, 580 <laughs> runs around along the base of those hills. And it's, it's a pretty pleasant drive. It's got a lot of trees. It runs through a lot of residential neighborhoods. Um, and that is the road where you don't see, you won't see large trucks uh, because of that ban. And then on 880, that runs through a more industrial area. It's closer to the waterfront right by the bay. And it runs by more industrial areas and also residential neighborhoods too. Um, but that one runs by the Port of Oakland. It goes by the airport 
And then when you think about 580, which is at the base of the hills, that goes by things like some regional parks and Mills College um, and the zoo. Got it. And how did this 580 ban originally come around? So it started back before 580 was a highway. Back then it was MacArthur Boulevard. And it ran through largely middle-class and upper-middle-class neighborhoods. Um, And those neighborhoods had the ear of Oakland City Hall at the time. And so this was in 1951. And uh, residents in that area in Oakland City Hall moved to band trucks on just that boulevard, MacArthur Boulevard, which was uh, the main commercial strip then, one of them. Um, And so through time, that became a highway. And so in 1963, it became a highway and that ban remained. Um, Over time, it had been, it had a few expiration dates and it just, it went through those, it sort of blasted through those and the ban was retained, largely because those neighborhoods really wanted to keep it that way. Um, And then, so there are a few reasons why why that is. but yeah, we can get into that later. Yeah. How, how unusual is this ban? I mean, are there are trucks banned on a bunch of different highways in California? No, this is the only ban on a highway of this nature in California. And in fact, in the United States, it is one of just a handful of bans on interstates throughout the United States. Um, the other bans are largely because of construction and structural limitations, uh, which this ban is not. What do we know about the environmental and health impacts of the of the ban? That is to say, the shifting of this truck traffic exclusively to 880 versus what would naturally flow over 580. Right. Well, you brought up some of them. Um, So we have some very interesting data that's come from a a partnership that actually is pretty interesting how they gather this data. But it was a, a tech company and Google Street View and university researchers and Environmental Defense Fund that worked together on a project where they put air filter or they put air sensors in cars, in Google Street View cars, and they ran them around different neighborhoods, residential streets by the 580 and by the 880. And they did this 20 to 30 times throughout a year, different times of the day. And then they averaged that out and they found that there were higher concentrations of pollutants that are associated with diesel burning trucks around 880 and 580, which is not then, then around 580, which is not surprising, um, but is upsetting because those pollutants have health impacts. Yeah. And what are the, the health impacts that have generally, that are generally associated with diesel trucks in this way, this kind of diesel pollution? Yeah, well, so the pollutants that come out of those are, are both particles and gases. And the danger with these are the particles can get deep into a person's lungs. They can even cross into the bloodstream. And they do have, some of these have toxic components associated with them that can be carcinogenic. Um, they also can cause inflammation in a person's body, uh, in their lungs, cause lung diseases, and they can exacerbate con- conditions like asthma. They can even, uh, there are instances where we've seen living by a freeway cause asthma. And I want to talk about this for young people, because the reason why I did this story was a sixth grade class reached out and asked a question, why does this exist? Most of these kids lived by 880, which does have the diesel trucks, and a lot of them have asthma. And for young people... Um, it is just much more likely to uh, develop or, or have their asthma be exacerbated. If you live, there's a study that shows that if you live closer to a freeway than farther, your lungs do not develop to the full extent as children who live farther away from highways, which is particularly heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. 
Should Oakland and San Leandro's I-580 ban lift its ban on trucks? Do you live in Oakland or San Leandro near 880 or 580 and have concerns or thoughts on this topic? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Supervisor Miley, I'd like to bring you into the conversation. How, how has this ban survived and how has your own thinking evolved on this topic? Well, the ban has survived because there's been a lot of uh, political support for the ban as well as support from communities for the ban historically. And I know when I was on the Oakland City Council, uh, there was the fact that we would kind of revisit this ban and there was still a lot of opposition to um, reversing the ban. Even, even after, after the Loma Prieta earthquake, when trucks were allowed on uh, 580 for a while, people found that to be sort of uh, disturbing. So historically, uh, San Leandro, the city of Oakland, uh, Piedmont, Alameda County, as well as uh, the communities, uh, particularly along that quarter, have been uh, opposed to uh, reversing the ban. But now, based on environmental uh, justice, environmental racism, and the fact that we have seen that um, particulate matter from diesel trucks, and then also some of the industries that align the 880 quarter have um, provided, um, let's say, disproportionate health impacts on those communities. We really need to uh, uh, revisit this and take a more appropriate step at uh, uh, reversing the, the status quo. And, and I don't want to just um, move the problem from one location to another. We really need to look at how we can solve the problem in an equitable manner. Mm-hmm. Supervisor Marley, in your estimation, what's the best argument of the people who want to keep the ban in place? I think the best argument is traffic um, uh, congestion uh, from um, trucks. I think that's probably the best argument. Uh, otherwise, I can't uh, at the moment understand any other arguments because obviously um, the trucks on 880 cause a lot of congestion. You put them on 580, they're going to cause congestion as well. So I think that's the best argument. Now, obviously, there are other arguments that are there, but I wouldn't um, consider those arguments that um, uh, prominent. Yeah. Um, Angela Scott with uh, Communities for a Better Environment. From your perspective um, in the East Oakland community, what should happen with this ban? Um, so I think it's, um, I of course think that it should be lifted um, because of the enormous health impacts that that diesel emissions cause um, folks that live at the front line of the 880 freeway. And also it's important to understand that this wouldn't be moving um, pollution from one community to a, a, the other. Like it's it's all about um, really sharing the impact of, of the emissions from these freeways because it's um, essentially valuing one lived experience in one um, group of um, people over the other. Mm-hmm. And so because because you have folks who are living um, near the 880 freeway with all the, the diesel um, the diesel trucks that 
run on the 880, but also throughout um, communities because there are truck routes within communities. It's important to understand that this is not the, oh, these are not the only emissions that these communities face. There's also industries like um, metal foundries, like um, crematoriums, and these communities are also dealing with um, little to no access to green spaces, little to no access to, to healthy foods and other things. So I think it, it makes sense to start sharing some of that burden and it's uncomfortable, yes, but it's, it's only fair. Yeah. You know, Michael tweets, the heavy truck ban is just in Oakland. In Oakland, 880 skirts residential neighborhoods as much as possible, while 580 goes entirely through residential neighborhoods and parkland. Is the belief that, say, Lake Merritt would be enhanced by having more heavy truck traffic nearby. How would you uh, respond to that before our break here? Angela. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that again? Oh, yeah. It's just basically saying that, you know, like the the 580 neighborhoods, that there's more residential neighborhoods up there relative to 880, where the freeway supposedly skirts residential neighborhoods. I mean, there, <laughs> there's more. Um, I don't necessarily, I mean, there's, there's people living in the flatlands and people living in, there's people there. Yeah. So I think if we value people, no matter how many or, you know, what their uh, racial makeup or their class makeup, if we value people, um, it's important to to lift bands like this, to start to undoing historical harm from bands like this and from policies like redlining. Yes. We'll be back with more talking about the ban on trucks on 580 and the impact that that shifts onto 880. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Be back after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the ban on semi-trucks on 580 and the environmental justice implications of that ban. I'm joined by Laura Clivens of KQED, who's been reporting on this topic, Angela Scott, an East Oakland community organizer with Communities for a Better Environment, and Nate Miley, District 4 Supervisor in Alameda County. Before we get to the phones, which I have to tell you are extremely pro-keeping the ban, on a tactical level, Supervisor Miley, what would have to happen to overturn the ban? Yeah, the, to get the ban overturned, because it's actually state law, the state legislature would have to uh, pass a law repealing uh, the ban of trucks on Interstate uh, 580. Um, the, I mean, like, like this has been a very uh, um, lengthy history, and I know presently I'm on the Bay Area Quality Management District. We're, we're going to be doing a study to determine the health impacts, and we decided to do that study as a, 
a part of our work with the uh, West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project. So we'll be conducting a study, but also as a member of the Transportation Commission for Alameda County, we're looking into this as well. So I think with those studies uh, from the Transportation Commission and the Air District, potentially we would have the necessary um, evidence uh, and arguments and rationale to approach the state legislature uh, to um, reverse the ban. But as, uh, as was pointed out, we don't wanna do this in a way that be, would place harm on others. Uh, for, in, for instance, when we address the issue of drayage trucks at the port, we had the trucks retrofitted. So that might be an approach looking at how reversing the ban, but getting trucks retrofitted so that they're burning um, and they're not producing particulate matter. Let's um, go to the phones. Jeremy uh, in Oakland, welcome to the show. Um, hi, this is uh, not so much an environmental justice question, but has the thought of the extra road wear from mm. increased semi-traffic been discussed? Because I commute 580 every day and it is beat up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Laura, do you want to try and take that one? Sure. I mean, I actually, that is not something that came up when I was interviewing many people about this story. Um, What did come up was one thought uh, initially was that uh, trucks shouldn't be on the 580 because of um, it's curvier and it has like a 4% grade hill on it, which would mean it would be a little noisier. Um, But when you talk to Caltrans about those things, they say the road is safe for all traffic. Um, so that, that is something that has come up. But I also wonder, you know, in, in terms of uh, wear and tear on the road, uh, you know, what about the wear and tear on, on 980? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's an interesting one just because the, when you look back at the historical opposition too, I mean, it, it has been a thing. Well, 580 is going to get beat up, but of course, trucks beat up all the highways. Um, Gina in Sacramento, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, so I actually used to live in Oakland, so this issue is kind of dear to my heart. Um, but I was wondering, um, it kind of feels like we're focusing on the wrong thing. Um, and I do believe in racial equity and environmental justice. However, it seems like we should really be talking about the environmental impact of these trucks and how to improve um, I guess the pollutants that they they produce, rather than trying to focus on whether we should lift this ban or not. Um, because if scientifically we know that these pollutants are bad for people, we should be doing something about these pollutants being produced by the trucks in the first place, rather than trying to figure out where we should put the trucks. Um, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I, I, Gina, thank you for that. Angela, do you uh, want to respond to that? Yes, definitely. I think um, I think you're right. Of course, we should um, electrify as as many trucks as we can. And you know, I'm not. I'm certainly not a fan of passing on um, dirty emissions. But I think that that also does take time, and that it is a part of um, the steps that I think that are necessary to take to relieve some of the the diesel emissions from these communities. Because yes, we can electrify trucks, but also yes, we should still lift the ban. Yeah. I wanna add, just when I was talking to Angela for this story, you brought up such a a really good point that 
then when pollution is in one place versus another, it's invisible to certain communities. Um, and, and I think that that is just a, an interesting thing for us to think about across the United States as and in California, as we think about which communities bear the burden of pollution. Another thing to think about is even with electrified trucks, we're finding now that um, there is still pollution uh, like particles that come from brakes and from tires. Um, so, so there's still steps, you know, we definitely need to clean up the trucks. I totally agree with this point that you're making, Gina, um, but that there still will be some pollution uh, with some of these new electrical electric trucks. Yeah. And it's just the, the time element to change over a truck fleet is very substantial. Um, let's uh, bring in Kathy from uh, West Oakland. Oh, good morning. Um, hey, I have a comment about this. I've been a resident of several parts of the East Bay since, uh, oh, 37 years. And I've lived in the Lower Bottoms in West Oakland for some time now. Um, and I have a son with asthma. And I have COPD, and I'm telling you, it's way worse down here than it is just four miles in Berkeley or two miles in Emeryville because of that traffic, because of recycling centers that frequently catch on fire, which surround 880 and around us, and industrial use. So we have a ton of trucks coming through here anyway, and it's because of 880. And it seems really inequitable that this pollution is spread to the most impoverished areas in Oakland. I understand people not wanting it in their community, they're not wanting the noise. But for years, I thought that the reason they were banned, the trucks were banned on 580, was because of um, its structure. And 880 is pretty beat up, too, to reply to that caller who said that 580 was um, was really getting beaten up for his commute. But 880 is way worse. Thank you for that, Kathy. You know, Supervisor Miley, how do you think about balancing the various demands between the, the different parts of the community, particularly when some parts of the East Bay community – have had these structures put in place that disproportionately uh, affect their health. Yeah, it's it's a tough call because clearly I agree there uh, the, the this is grown out of environmental justice, environmental racism, redlining and and we need to reverse that. Uh and can you can you switch, you know, can you flick a switch and reverse it overnight? No, but I do think we need to take steps now. You know, clearly, when I was on the city council in the 90s, we thought keeping the ban was the best thing. That, as a county supervisor in 2021, I think we need to reverse the ban. But how do you go about that constructively uh, to alleviate the harm on those communities along the 880 corridor who have experienced um, redlining and environmental justice, but not produce the same problem uh, in, uh, along the communities of 580? We definitely need to do that. And I think that's why hopefully the air district study of uh, the study that we can do through the transportation commission, all of these factors will help us come up with a, a course of action that will be um, justifiable in dealing with this harm that has been caused historically going back to 1951. Uh, Supervisor Marla, I know you need to go, but just wanted to get one last um, answer for me, which is just on, how long are those studies going to take to actually come out? It seems like sometimes these things can get sort of caught for, for years at a time. Well, I do expect the Air District study to be completed next year in 2022. 
Uh, I, and I do think communities uh, can begin lobbying the state legislature as, as I speak, but um, I do anticipate that we'll have our air district study completed by next year, and then it'll be uh, implementation. And I do think we can take steps. It's been pointed out that uh, even producing cleaner trucks isn't gonna uh, alleviate the problem in its totality, but it'll be a step in the right direction. And furthermore, we're not gonna eliminate trucks because we need trucks for good, goods movement. We need to have trucks. So how do we go about balancing all of these competing demands in a fashion that's gonna be equitable for all of society? Yeah, great. Thank you very much, Supervisor Miley, and have a, have a good day. Um, John from San Francisco, um, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I, I'm a diesel duck truck driver for 40 years, uh, uh, delivering freight all over California, especially in the Bay Area. Uh, I've been breathing this air, and, and believe me, it's much better now. We have our trucks retrofitted at considerable expense to the companies and to the, and, and to the owner-operators. Now, what's the difference in these people in Oakland than everywhere else in California that are breathing this diesel air that, that seems to be so harmful to everybody? Tell me. Well, um Angela Scott, would you like to talk about the health effects? Um, yeah, the I mean the health effects of diesel um are diesel's very very dangerous. It's um because it's less refined than gasoline, it contains more contaminants. And so um the state of California actually classified diesel particulate matter as the number one um, toxic air contaminant in the state. And so when you think about like learn long-term exposure, it can cause, like Laura said, um, it can what cause- What do you mean long? I'm 80 years old. I've been breathing it for 50 years. I'm okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but you're you're just one person. And, um, you know, I, I know that my own experience in living near the 880, um, and in communities that have other compounding um, uh, industries, uh, I have uh, breathing issues myself. And I have families that I live near that have heart disease, that have other respiratory issues like asthma and COPD. So it's not always as simple as um, like everybody is, is, everybody's body makeup is not similar. But more folks are more um, uh, more susceptible to to certain things than others. I mean, I'm glad that that you don't have any health issues, but that isn't um, the case in um, specifically in East Oakland. Yeah, yeah, Laura. What do we know about the distribution of, say, asthma hospitalizations um, across Alameda County? We know that the highest uh, rates of asthma hospitalizations come from East and West Oakland. So all along that 880 corridor. Another thing I want to point out is that um, the Bay Area Air Quality Management District, uh, they did a, some research looking into which communities have the, the worst health impacts um, from air pollution, the, the type that you would see from air pollution. And they did this sort of regardless of looking at race and class um, and what they found was that the, the communities with the highest impacts of these health concerns, rates of cancer, asthma, COPD, heart disease, they were 
largely and historically, um, they mapped they mapped and lined up very well with historically redlined areas. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think it's interesting. We're talking about this little section of um, of two highways, uh, which I do want to say, like these are sections of of another highway of a little bit of a longer a longer stretch of highway. Which realistically, yes, this span is for nine miles, but you're not going to hop off at you know mile nine on 880 and pop over to 580 because you can't. I mean, it's not convenient. It's, it's going to take a while. Um, to do that. So it really, it's effective for a, a larger stretch um, that goes through even more than San Leandro and Oakland. Um, but it's also representative of, of these, uh, of what we're seeing with this other study of like these health impacts lining up with historically redlined neighborhoods. Um, and so, you know, what do we owe communities that have borne the brunt of pollution for years and years and years? And so I don't think we're saying this community in Oakland is more, you know, valuable than everybody else in California, than everybody else in the United States, um, when we're talking about the impact of this ban. But all communities are valuable. And so looking at that, how is equity, you know, how can there be more equity between the different communities? Mm-hmm. I uh, want to read a few comments uh, from, from listeners. Christopher writes, it's long past time to dismantle the Bay Area's most glaring example of environmental racism and transportation. Heather tweets, this is the wrong question. Why are these trucks allowed at all on roads with small family vehicles? There are train tracks and railroads for this size of vehicle, and that's where they belong, not on either of those freeways. Danielle writes, there are plenty of working class brown and black people along 580. Why would we expand pollution to 580? And a couple more uh, commenters also want to ban trucks from both highways and make them go to five where they belong. Angela Scott, do you see it as realistic that trucks would ever be banned from 880? We cannot simply erase pollution. (laughs) We cannot. There, There is like we, you know, our society, we have freeways. We have trucks, you know, folks consume and we, because we consume, we, you know, um, goods are moving. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough in this conversation to say, instead of impacting other uh, whiter, wealthier people, let's just erase emissions. That's not like, that's a bit naive. We, we, you know, um, people of color bear more of the brunt of pollution than they actually produce. So, and wider, wealthier communities actually, um, they are affected less by a pollution that, that they help to contribute to. So it's, you know, it's really about sharing the, the weight of this, um, of these impacts and understanding also that uh, when 580 lifts that ban, the majority of those trucks are probably still going to be using 880 because um, the the industries that are truck attracting line the 880 freeway. So it's not even it's not going to be you know mm-hmm. an even carry. Yeah, yeah. Let's bring in one last caller, Judy from Albany. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my point really is what along the lines of what you just mentioned, which is that you've got industry all along the 880. And I think the real issue is that people are having to live in industrial areas. So 
you know, as long as we don't have enough housing, as long as they have a housing shortage, people who have less money and resources are going to look for the cheaper housing, which is in the industrial areas. So we just need to have plenty of housing for people so that we don't actually have to have people living in industrial areas. You know, there's always going to be pollution in industrial areas, but people shouldn't have to live there. Angela Scott, do you have a, a broader portfolio of things that you're working on there at Communities for a Better Environment to help clean up um, the air and environment in East Oakland? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked. So um, at CBE, one of the things that we we're working on now is uh, with our communities is preparing for AB 617, which is um, in partnership with the Air District. Um, so this, um, that'll be coming up with like a comprehensive plan, right? Um, looking at East Oakland specifically in the flatlands, um, helping to create an emissions reductions plan for the community. And so, um, but also I, I think it's important to, um, to know that the, uh, City of Oakland is um, going into their general plan very soon. Uh, and so they're going to be looking at things like transportation and housing. Um, and there is an environmental justice element of that because they're updating, um, you know, so much stuff. So right, right. Um, taking into account folks of color and, I'm and sh- how they're impacted yeah. is important. And we will be talking about that a lot more, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. We've been talking about whether to ban trucks on 580 with KQED's Laura Clivens and the voice you just heard, Angela Scott, an East Oakland community organizer. Stay tuned for more Forum with Lily Jamali. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.